All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan, and welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. Our guest today is Steve Burke. Steve is president of High Tech Industrial, a multi-line distributorship representing over 30 manufacturers. They support many sectors from steel, chemical, healthcare, transportation, automotive, and manufacturing. And after being in business for just over two years, because of their focus on customer service, they have both made a profit and exceeded their goals. So Steve, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Steve, uh, share with us a little bit about your journey and what led you to um, founding High Tech Industrial. My background is uh, as a pipe fitter, uh, did that for about 23 years had the privilege of working in many different industries. I then moved into a service technician, multi-state, uh, working in all the industries that we normally cover, the steel industries, chemical, heavy manufacturing, automotive, and more. And this gave me the opportunity to see just exactly what's going on in their maintenance teams and some of the issues that they're having. So share a little bit about that background, like what, where you were and then why you decided to start. You know, what were you looking to create that was different from what you were seeing out there? As a hands-on technician, I saw a distinct repetition of maintenance issues, uh, lubrication, uh, hydraulics, piping, things that were not being done in their optimum way. Oftentimes I would make suggestions and it would create a positive influence on the customer's maintenance. So they would ask me to do additional things like, could you show some of my guys this? Could you work with me on that? What's this stuff about a, a lubrication audit? So I was able to broaden the spectrum of just being a parts replacer or providing a part to someone who provided a consultant service on how to increase reliability and help their maintenance teams. And so then how have you translated that into what you're doing with high tech? Because again, starting a business and meeting goals and making a profit right off the bat, you have to be doing something right. So what, what do you attribute that to? Well, I worked as a uh, distributor for a pipe fitting for about 10 years. So again, this took me deep into the engineering and the maintenance teams working with them on major problems that they were having and finding out other problems in hydraulics and uh, lubrication, things of this nature. Once I saw that and I started asking questions and saying, well, is this the first time this has happened? And often I heard, no, this happens all the time. I've got to make this repair. I've got to do this process over and over again. And when you started to ask why, the answer was, gee, I don't know. It's the way we always did it. Henry Ford had a, a saying where he said, if you've always done what you always do, you always get what you always got. I think that's true. And high-tech industrial is trying to bridge that gap and help them move into an area where they can find solutions to reliability and their maintenance problems. 
So in some of the things that we talked about, some of the things that you focus on, things like being transparent, taking a sincere interest and actively listening to your customers and doing service that goes one step beyond. What are some of the philosophies that led you to doing that? Like transparency, I'm sure that you sometimes have to tell your customers things that they don't necessarily want to hear, but that transparency also does well for you. So talk a little bit about that. We'll start with transparency. Sure. It's been a key for us to work on a personal basis with our customers, whether it be a maintenance manager, whether it be the president of a manufacturing company, or whether it just be a technician. We have to make some hard statements like you mentioned. You can't do it that way. It doesn't work. You're not fixing it. You're just putting a new part on a problem and it's going to fail. We got into discussing that more in depth with them. What do you mean it's gonna fail? And what I found out is that people have assumed roles where they don't know the history of the maintenance issues. And they find out that we're replacing parts over and over and not looking at a root cause, not looking at a process that has been changed, not looking at additional uh, equipment that's been added that is affecting or contributing to the downtime failures. So really, so what you're doing is instead of just selling parts, you're going above and beyond and giving them the service. And probably over time, maybe you're not going to sell as much because you're not replacing the same parts because you've actually fixed the problem, which then would lead your customers to trust you more. So is that what you're finding? Lisa, that's exactly correct. Yes, we do shoot ourselves in the foot, so to speak, or replacing every part or making an extra couple dollars replacing a part. But we prefer building a relationship with our customers, understanding their personal needs, because that's what's going to bond our customer or join our customer with us so we can partner together to create more reliability, more profitability. And in some case, we even make a safer alternative for them to operate. So, and I know that training is a big component of that for you. So is that looking at both the people who you employ to, to make sure that they are trained personally and professionally, as well as your customers, or talk about your focus on training? Training is, is just one of the most overlooked things in industry today. We don't have time to train. We don't have the budget to train as things we hear. We don't have the people to train. Who could train on this system? Joe and Bob and all the old timers are evolving. They're retiring. They're leaving industry and taking with them 30, 40 years of a wealth of knowledge. The young people that are coming in, qualified, great guys, willing to work, they just don't have the knowledge or experience. We're trying to get to that process, find out how and where we can help them solve their problems. Some of them have more knowledge than myself because they've been highly trained in an area, but they don't have the broad knowledge that 30 plus years of experience working in the industry has provided. So we're joining with the maintenance managers and finding out what are your biggest problems? And this is a basic question that's not being asked when you call up a, a mega house or a large supply house and you say, I need part X, Y, Z. That's what they do. They give you part X, Y, Z but they don't have a connection 
with why do you need part XYZ and who knows how to replace it and how many times have you replaced that in the last year because they should last you multi-years. So we're kind of explorers, we're kind of investigators asking these questions. And when you talk about the fact that, yeah, we do have this silver tsunami of baby boomers that are retiring and taking their 30 and 40 years of experience with them, is there anything that you're doing to, to capture some of that knowledge before the people walk out your door? In-house, we are uh, looking to maintain a relationship with our, and we're a small company, Lisa, we're not big, but we take people and train them so that they have a comprehensive knowledge of the products that we carry. And then we work with them. Oftentimes I go out with them to look at a job, to meet with a team, to ask the questions that they haven't learned how to ask yet. Because you can't just ask, gee, why is it broke? Or gee, what have you done to fix it? You have to go to the second level and third level questions to funnel down, create a understanding of, gee, what is your real problem to reliability and how can I help you? Yeah, so really taking it into the real world instead of textbook, what's supposed to happen? Because we know in maintenance, there's no way you're ever going to see anything that can go wrong in maintenance. It's absolutely true. We're finding maintenance teams, managers, leadership is being asked to do more right now with less people. Manpower is it's plaguing the nation right now, let alone manpower that wishes to work in a hands-on, hands-dirty environment. And we're working with them to optimize the steps they're taking to create the maintenance programs that keep things running. And one of the things I know that you do too are customer audits to help with that, to really investigate those problems and provide solutions. So Share with us a little bit about your process. You know, what does that look like? Maybe some steps that if somebody's listening to the podcast today and would like to incorporate that type of thing for their customers, how would they get started? Gee, what a tough question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> We're covering multiple product lines. Uh, let me just take one example that okay. um, is easy to share. And that's going to be in a lubrication. Lubrication touches anywhere there's moving parts in manufacturing, steel, chemical. It's literally a universal issue. And yet it is also one of the most specialized knowledge uh, banks that there is. It's not a glorious or a sexy industry to be in. Everybody wants to stay away from it. It's oftentimes the last component of a piece of equipment that's looked at for reliability but lubrication literally is the lifeblood of industry. So we'll come in and we talk with people and they start asking some very basic questions about lubrication from single point lubrication to multi-hundred point lubrication systems. Do you have them? What are you doing with them? Who's your lubrication guru? And the answers often are, we don't have one. We haven't had one for years. I just had a customer who told me that 24 of their automated systems are no longer operational. They have five of them that are limping along mm. because they have nobody to provide the technical expertise and the time to come in and fix it. Sometimes we have to do this on a fee basis uh, where we 
you know, work with our customers and find out how can we help or work with your team to get a start point to get this acquired uh, knowledge of your issues. And we'll work with them. We'll find out where the problems are. We'll find out where their high maintenance issues are, and we'll start from there and roll it out. Oftentimes, that means talking to uh, maintenance managers, supervisors, and technicians to understand what their level of understanding is of lubrication and how to maintain it. And right now, there's kind of a vacuum in that area. People are trying and they're looking online to find stuff, but there's no real active resource. So we'll take it and work with them from the basics, Lisa, from what is lubrication and how to maintain your systems, that complete process. Yeah, and as, lo- and as we're going more and more into automation, that lubrication part is going to be, like you said, the lifeblood of keeping that equipment going. And when we think about maintenance, the best thing about maintenance is not having to use it. So if you if you maintain your equipment properly and even starting with the basics that you talk about of lubrication 101, because too many times I think that people assume vendors assume that people know what to do and where to put the parts and how to work anything. But the fact that you're really starting from that ground zero and not assuming anything um, seems like that's going to be invaluable to extending the life of your customer's equipment. Exactly. And that's what we found over and over time. And if you take and make these repairs and create a process for successful maintenance of these systems, they're very, very durable. They last a long, long time. Without that care, without that maintenance, without that understanding, they can become a daily uh, maintenance issue that impacts profitability and downtime. And again, sometimes even safety. Some of the statistics are that 65% plus bearing failure is directly related to improper lubrication. So that's a huge number. And when people start to hear that and see that, and you can show them where you can extend the life of a bearing, extend the runtime of a piece of equipment, protect their assets, you become a valuable resource to them. Yeah. And one of the ways that I think that you also stay a resource is in your follow-up. So you're not just going in there, doing an audit, giving them the right pieces, and then, okay, see you later, let's go on to the next one. You are also staying in touch with them. So what are some of the ways that you are continuing to be a resource for the long-term with your customers? Yes. (laughs) Staying in touch is a lost art. Customer service is a uh, lost art right now. They want to A large house, a large company often wants to get that call taken care of and off their list. And they won't ask or follow up a need with them. Situations like, hey, I sent them a text. Hey, I sent them a voicemail. Hey, I left them an email. They didn't get back to me. Maintenance teams are overworked right now. You have to be the source that gets back to them repeatedly until you talk to them. And we apologize sometimes for being overly enthusiastic, if you will, and trying to reach out to our customers and, hey, I know this is the third email. I know this is the third call. Please excuse me. If you'd like me to stop, let me know. But if you're just too busy, 
I'll wait for you and I'll make my efforts to get a hold of you. And I entrust that way by being a bulldog, I've been called. You know, you're a bulldog. Well, sometimes you have to be a bulldog to help people. And I always apologize and say, if that's ever an inconvenience, let me know and I'll change. And the fact that you're giving them the choice of, hey, if you don't want to hear from me, fine. But the fact that you keep going after probably most of your competitors give up when they sent that one text or they sent that second voicemail and they didn't hear back, they just move on to the next one where you are letting those customers know that this is important. They are important to you and you're going and you're there for them. That's correct. And we hear that routinely, you know, oh, gee whiz, thanks. I got to get to that. But I had this, I had that, you know, we had a, a tornado here, we had this. There's a lot of different reasons why they can't get back to you and what you would like to be prompt information. But oftentimes they'll say, yeah, thanks. I got to get that done. Let's get this and move forward. And that's where we earned reliability trust, or that's where we've gained a, hey, this guy really cares. Because uh, we do. We really care about our customers, and we care about finding them solutions. I think that's such an important lesson for everybody, not only in manufacturing and distribution, but in every industry when we're reaching out to customers and potential customers, and they're not getting back to us, we think it's all about us. Oh, they must not like me. They must not want to do business with me. I must be getting on their nerves. When <laughs> in most cases, it's got nothing to do with you. It's we don't know that they just had a tornado, that they just had a flood, that they just had a major breakdown, that you know their maintenance guy quit, or all of these other things that are taking their attention. And we are such this little dot on their radar <laughs> that we don't even we don't think about it. So if we can take ourselves out of the equation and just let them know to okay, I'm here from you. I'm here for you when you need me. I'm here for you when you need me but just keep on keeping on that you're really adding value and, and keeping your ego out of it, it sounds. <laughs> it's true. And, and I'll often ask questions like, when would you like me to reach back to you? I understand how busy you are. Is there someone you can delegate this to that I can take this off your plate and perhaps work directly with them or the technician? And we do that routinely because technicians are the keys to maintenance reliability. It's really not in a CEO's hands. It's really not in a maintenance manager's hands. He directs these solutions to go out there and fix things. If they're going to do it, if they have the knowledge and the ability to do it, they can. But they can't do anything if just because somebody wants them to if they don't have the tools, the knowledge, and the experience to get it done or the resource, and we can help them out with that resource. Right. So I still it, get dirty, Lisa. I still <laughs> go down into the dirty pits and I still get my hands all greasy if that means helping out a customer. Well, and that you're also setting a great example for the people who work for you, which I want to get into a little bit too, because I know that you have a small company and that labor is hard to find, but it sounds like you are building a heck of a team by doing the things that you're doing and letting your employees know that you are just as willing as they are to get your hands dirty. So what would you say are some of the things that you are doing to create that workplace culture that, that keeps people working for you and not going down the street to a competitor? 
What a challenge. When I started up this company, I asked the people I was bringing to the team, is this what you want to do? Is there anything else you want to do? Because if there is, now's the time to go and do it. But if you elect to stay here, if you elect to move forward, then success will follow because we're going to be working harder than the next guy. We're going to be providing services that the next person isn't providing. We're going to be sincerely focused on providing what our company is designed around. That is to provide solutions to the industry. Once I gave some, and I said, don't answer now. You cannot answer me right now. Don't just nod your head. Don't just say yes. I want you to go home, talk with your wife. I want you to think about it. I want you to look at it. And I want you to see if there's anything else that could make you happier. And once they did, once they came on board, then I started asking them questions. Is how are we going to make this the best company? How are we going to daily strive for excellence? One of our slogans is always better, never best. Because we want to improve daily for our customers and for us. It may be adding a, a paper void packing machine. It may be uh, buying a piece of equipment. Uh, in our, one of the cases, a hose crimper that is state-of-the-art, where you could buy one that was less money, but we're going to buy the best one to make sure we can do it quickly, efficiently, and pr- provide the best product for our customers. So those kind of things and listening to their input. Well, I really think we should do this. And one of the cases is we take parts and get them in from a customer and they're raw, they're just a piece of metal, okay? We bag them and vacuum seal them and then we put a label on the outside of them because some of our customers don't have the luxury of having a climate controlled area to store their parts. And when they store metal steel, they'll find that they'll get corroded, rust covered, uh, damaged. So, and it's, it's hard to see them sometimes. It's hard to read numbers that are stamped on or laser etched on. We put them in a half inch yellow and black label that it's easy for them to read. So we try to simplify everywhere. We do bin management for our customers uh, because of that. So I think a, a really important lesson too is making sure that your employees have that commitment to you by not um, making them, you know, when we think about bringing people on board, we're like, oh no, you have to give me an answer right now. Where sometimes when you take the time, you let them process. And then when they're ready to make the commitment to you, then you have a much, uh, the employees know where you're coming from and they're willing to make that commitment. And it also sounds like you're listening to them, which is so important that when employees feel valued, when they feel appreciated, when they feel that their opinions are mattered and acted on, then you're creating a workplace culture that'll keep them. I think that that's vital. And sometimes it's overlooked because as a leader, You want to give all the answers. I have all the solutions. I can fix everything. I have a magic wand. Well, nobody is. Nobody can. Uh, Nobody can really do that all the time correct. Uh, I try to delegate responsibility and then give ownership to it. When I see some of the results, I might not be 100% on board with where Steve wants it. But that doesn't matter. It matters that they have ownership of it. And the end result is to serve the customer. 
I might give a little nudge in a couple directions sometimes, but generally I'll just let it go their way. They're proud of that, and thereby it's a long-term solution to any problem. The ownership we provide to the employees, where I will take a, a topic, a project, and give it completely to them and let them handle it in their own style. They can come to me with questions, and I'll answer questions in that, but I want them it to resolve to be their product, something that they can be proud of and see it every day. And it, it could be inventorying parts. It could be writing up a uh, specific customer's needs. And we take it from there. Uh, sometimes I'll nudge it, but in general, I'll just let them use their style on it and move forward as long as it's a positive impact on our company. One of the things that we pride ourselves is being better. So it's always better, never best. Best is a destination that we never want to get to. We want to improve each and every day in all factors of our business, from customer service to customer management to just the way we maintain our facility. Uh, it gets down to real basics. Yeah. And just keeping in mind, too, that it's not the way that Steve wants it done, because maybe you would have done it a little bit better. Maybe you would have done it a little bit different. But when you give people the opportunity to fail forward, to learn things on their own and to do it in their own way, because I'm sure that there are some times that that employee did it better than you would have done it because they, they saw it differently than you did. That's a little hard to admit that it could actually yeah. be better, <laughs> but it's, it's an automatic reality, and it's true. People's skill sets uh, are what we depend upon to grow. If it was all dependent upon me to have the answers, we'd be in a world of hurt. And I take guidance from my customers, too. Uh, I ask them, how do we better serve you? What are we doing wrong? Or what are we doing right? And then we try to take that information and use it as a cookie cutter to move forward to where we treat every customer a little bit better along the way. Yeah. Well, Steve, you have given us so much uh, great information just as far as building a successful company and building a successful team. If somebody did, would want to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me under High Tech Industrial in Valparaiso, Indiana, or you can go to our website, and that's High Tech Dash, and that's H I T E C H Dash Industrial dot com. Uh, we've got a full way to get a hold of us there via email, via phone numbers, or you can just give me a call. Our company number is 219-707-5956. We look forward to hearing anybody and, and trying to grow with them. Wonderful. Well, Steve, again, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Lisa. Appreciate the opportunity. Have a great day. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com 
or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.